0: Hello, and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker. Along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God That are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. We are currently working our way through each book of the Bible, giving a short overview, a little background, and then diving into the theological themes found in the book. If you're listening live with us, staying current with where we are heading into the Christmas season, so we will take a few weeks off. Next Sunday, December 17th, will be our last podcast episode for 2023. We will be back in January, and maybe in 2024, we will finish our Bible overview series. For today's podcast, we're going to look at another one of Paul's letters, this time to the church at Thessalonica. As you may know, there's two of those letters in the New Testament. So today we're going to look at the first of those. Dad, before we pushed record on today's podcast just a second ago, you said we should approach this book a little bit differently than we have the other letters of Paul. So explain that to us.
1: Yep. And hello again, Kitchen Table Theologian. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I I think we can approach this a little bit differently and and we should. So I'm thinking we should approach it a little differently because in order to understand First Thessalonians, you really should read it along with the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. So that's Luke's account. You'll remember that when we studied the book of Acts in an earlier podcast. Luke fills in the background that's imperative for us to understand as we dive into First Thessalonians. So I think first, let's just cover a few elementary matters about the book, and then we'll dive into it.
0: Okay, so these first matters that we should cover, I'm guessing that's some of the background details. Who wrote the book, the date of the writing, things like that. Let's begin with the author like we always do. We already said the author is Paul, but give us a little bit more on that.
1: Yeah, it's Paul, and it goes without saying it's Paul, but in researching this, I found a few places where they were talking about the authors, plural, and I'm like, I don't know what Bible they're reading or what history they're looking at, but there's no question this was written by the Apostle Paul. He started the church in Thessalonica, and he wrote this first letter to the believers there within just a few months after leaving Thessalonica. And in Acts, Luke recorded that Paul preached for three Sabbath days, so that would be three three consecutive, what we would call Saturdays. And he preached to the Jews in the local synagogue there. However, most scholars believe Paul spent about 3 months there not i think sometimes we'll read what luke says oh he was only there for 3 weeks but most bible scholars believe paul was there for about 3 months and while he did preach those 3 weeks there in the synagogue and he was there with the thessalonians because he would have had to have been there long enough to receive more than one offering from the philippian church now that that may be a little confusing so but there's other evidence from other new testament books that Paul was there for months at Thessalonica. And that's just one of the examples. So in other words, he may have taught three weeks in a synagogue, but then stayed longer to, to disciple those who I'm sure came to faith in Christ under Paul's preaching. Date-wise, most Bible scholars place the writing of the letter to about 49 to 51 AD. So you could say around 50 AD, some give or take, writing from Corinth during what was Paul's second missionary journey. I'm sure I've confused everyone completely and fully, which is we why I'm here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're here for. Well, I think we've got it. There's another question I think a lot of us have really come to appreciate. I know I have, as we've answered these questions each on each podcast, looking at other books. In the grand scheme, the overall picture of the New Testament, maybe tell us a little bit about where we are on a timeline in Paul's ministry.
1: Yeah. Give us some context. So we know Paul wrote the first letter that we're looking at today to this Thessalonian church from the city of Corinth around 50 AD, just a few months after having preached in Thessalonica on what we call his second missionary journey. Now, he had to leave Thessalonica under duress. We also know he had Silas and Timothy with him there, and those three traveled to Athens, Greece, but on the way to Athens, they took a shortcut through this area of the city called Berea. So he gets to Athens. After a short time in Athens, Paul was, I guess, feeling a little bit anxious, wanting to receive a report, just find out how things were going in Thessalonica. Again, he'd only been there for a few months. He established this new church, and then he has to leave. And so he's concerned about them. So he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to serve and minister to the new believers and the church there. So he wanted to check, Paul did, on the state of the Thessalonians faith because he was fearful that false teachers might have infiltrated their number. However, Timothy soon returned with a good report, prompting Paul to pen First Thessalonians as a letter of encouragement to these new believers. So Timothy comes back and says, hey, they're doing well. They're growing in their faith and the church is doing well. So what we see in that is not only Paul's missionary heart in establishing the church, but we see in this letter his pastoral heart in wanting to check in on them, see how they're faring as new believers in Christ.
0: That's some great context. So, kitchen table theologian, here's how we'll move forward now and do this one a little bit differently. We'll take a quick walkthrough of the letter, and Dad, I will read parts of Acts 17 as you give us sort of a running commentary, and Mm -hmm. I think maybe that will give us a good overview of the letter. Then after we've done that, we'll finish up with a quick theological theme or two. Does that sound good?
1: Sounds good. So, let's jump in. And For this section of the podcast, I've leaned very heavily on parts from the excellent ESV Study Bible. And I'll share with us much of their overview that they share there. It's really helpful. And I recommend it to you if you're looking for a good study Bible. We'll link it in the episode notes, a link if you want to purchase one. But it's the ESV, which stands for English Standard Version Study Bible. It's a fine translation. So as I've just noted, Paul, Timothy, and Silas preached in the Thessalonian synagogue over three Sabbaths, and a number of Jews and God-fearing Gentiles believed. So, Tiff, Acts 17, 4, we'll jump into Acts 17, so verse 4 tells us what.
0: And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women.
1: So there we find that because of their preaching and teaching, a number great, great many, the word says, came to faith in Christ. So in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, verses 9 and 10, we see suggested there that Paul subsequently spent some weeks ministering to pagan Gentiles, and many of them turned to Christ. So if you'll read out of 1 Thessalonians this time, to verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1,
0: For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come.
1: Yeah, so that's Paul saying, here's the report I've heard. And so we know that there were a number of pagan Gentiles who believed because they were the ones Paul said, turn to God from idols. Those would not have been Jewish people. They would have been pagan Gentile peoples, maybe they're the idols of the Greco-Roman world. So they turned from there. So however, so all oh, that's good. Then moving along, rioters instigated by Jewish opponents dragged a guy named Jason. That he was hosting Paul. They dragged Jason and some other Christians before what were called Politarchs, which were regional Roman governors. And they were charged with sedition against Caesar. So Acts 17, we continue on.
0: I'll read Acts 17, verses 5 through 8. It says this, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things.
1: So as you might imagine, that then forced Paul and Silas and Timothy, and I'm sure some others, to leave Thessalonica prematurely. In other words, they, it, it for, this forced them to leave before they had been planning to leave.
0: So, continuing in Acts 17, verse 9 through 10 reads, And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue.
1: So, Paul was, however, still concerned for the new Christians in Thessalonica, and therefore, a few months later, he sent Timothy back there. Now. Catching up with Paul in Corinth, Acts 18 tells us that Timothy updated him on the Thessalonian church. And upon the update, Paul writes to them as follows. Now, this is from 1 Thessalonians 3.6.
0: But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you.
1: So here we see Timothy reporting that generally the church community is doing well. However, thing not, however, not everything at Thessalonica was rosy. Some members of the church had died. And because these new believers were not fully informed about what happens when a Christian dies, especially in regard to the return of Christ, some of them apparently thought that those who had died would miss out on the second coming. And it sort of plunged them into some hopeless grieving. And that's why Paul says later in that letter, we don't grieve as people without hope because they were grieving like they did not have hope. So in addition, Timothy related to Paul a question the Thessalonians had about the timing of what Paul refers to as the day of the Lord. Now, that's, he's referring to the second coming of Christ. Paul reassures them that they are destined not for wrath, but for salvation on the day of the Lord. So some think that the Thessalonians were concerned that they would be unprepared for Jesus' return. And eventually, these new Christians were questioning their own final salvation in view of these apparently unexpected deaths of folks within their congregation. And they, they may have even been wondering whether the deaths were an expression of God's disapproval on them for some reason. But Paul, however, being Paul, he told them in chapter four, look, y'all are worried about all of this, but you really need to be more concerned about living holy lives. That's just the way Paul dealt with their grief. I know you're worried about that, but you really need to be worried about this. So whatever the specifics, clearly the Thessalonians need a reassurance about those who had died and about their own destiny at the second coming of Christ. And Paul addresses these things In chapters 4 and 5, his main purpose was to repair the hope, I guess would be a way to say it, to repair the hope of the Thessalonian Christians in the the wake of these unexpected deaths of people in their congregation and reassure them that both the dead and the living were destined to be finally saved at the second coming of Christ.
0: I'm sure there's so much more detail we could go into. (laughs) But that sort of gives us a sense of not only what Paul wrote, but why he wrote what he did in this first letter. So, Dad, we probably need to start wrapping up today's podcast. Let's discuss quickly a few theological themes. And I think you were getting at one in that last section there in the second coming of Christ. Is that, could we say that's a theme of this book?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a major theological theme throughout the letter. So, Four distinct times, Paul made reference of Jesus' second coming in glory and triumph. And that's an apocalyptic event. And, and it fulfills various end-of-time prophecies, such as the resurrection of the dead. And that second coming ushers in the millennium here on earth, which is the kingdom of God on earth. And, and it gives a foundation, the second coming does, for Christian hope and it's a confident expectation of a promise God has made and we know God keeps his promises and really it calls all of us as believers to be alert and to live a life consistent with the holiness that God says this is how you are to live
0: what else are there other theological themes we can see in the book of 1 Thessalonians
1: well yeah i think hope that i just mentioned hope hope mm-hmm. is a is one paul frequently mentions hope and the basis of hope. And again, he likes the second coming, four times Paul distinctly, ex- explicitly talks about hope. And the idea of hope is closely and very specifically connected to the expectation of Jesus' coming and to the promise of believers' own resurrection from the dead. And finally, I would say one, one more theme would be one of holiness or sanctification. So there, there's this idea of believers being set apart by God for a special purpose. That's what sanctification is, being set apart by God for a special purpose. Now, I think whenever most of us hear of holiness, we equate it with a moral purity of sorts, but I don't think that's the main idea behind Paul's use of the word. So in First Thessalonians, it has much more to do, holiness does, with our identity as a person or as people set apart from ordinary or common things of the world. We're taught that the church consists of saints. Now, Paul always refers and constantly in all of his writing, he refers to the members of Christ's kingdom, of members of the church, as saints. So think about that term saint for a second. That was a term originally set apart or Sorry, it, it was a term that originally meant that someone was set apart for the worship or service of God. It denoted a priest in the temple, for example, that they were, there was a holiness, a sanctification of a priest in order to worship and serve God in, in the temple. So while the term may refer to people, sometimes the term holiness referred to objects, sometimes it referred in the Bible to time or places. Holiness in New Testament Christianity primarily denotes the realm of the divine ones who receive God's Holy Spirit. So that's all believers. So application-wise for us, and here's where we'll end, by clinging to our hope in Christ, we may see several clear results in our lives. So living a life of holiness while clinging to our hope in Christ helps us to avoid sexual immorality, helps us to refuse the defrauding of other people, helps us in appreciating those Christians who serve on our behalf or who help us, aids us in refusing to repay evil for evil. It, it leads us into rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all things, just to name a few. And those are all things Paul specifically says, hey, when you live a holy life, these are some of the things that you're going to see in your life. So that list, of course, is not exhaustive. But in the first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul makes it clear that every Christian should expect to grow in holiness over the course of his or her life.
0: There it is. Thanks so much for listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. If you are enjoying the podcast, we would love for you to take just a second and leave a rating or a review, especially on iTunes, as that is really what helps us get the word out. Don't forget, you can check out today's episode notes, and we will include a link for you to the ESV Study Bible that Pastor Jeff referenced. You can find that and more at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us anytime at at org.
1: I think I referenced something else we would link to. So look. So <laughs> we... Kitchen Table Theologian, we can't remember, but we'll go back through. And if I did say I would link, uh, give you a link to something else, we'll put it in there.
0: Yes, we usually do try to do that. Any book you reference or study Bible, anything like that, we always try to put those in the episode notes. And you can find all of those at jeffgranston.com. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Lowcountry Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, and at Streamline Podcasts for making this podcast possible. Next week will be our last week in 2023 with a new podcast episode. We will continue our Bible overview series and we will look, ooh, we're back in the Old Testament next week, but I don't remember which book we're on. Second Chronicles? Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. We We did First Chronicles last week. Yeah, we're definitely on
1: Second Chronicles.
0: So next week, join us as we dive into the book of Second Chronicles. Until then, always remember the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.